0: June 16th, 2023. We're in Masechet Besa and af Kafbeta Mutbet, and we're finishing up this past sugya. It's five lines down in the wide lines, uh, about in the middle of the line where it says Michde. And uh, very briefly, because it's really a summary of the sugyah that we learned yesterday, uh, the Gemarao had cited at the beginning uh, beraita, I and mean, in the Beraita, there was a mahlokit between the beginning of this sugya, between Bechama and Hillel. They were talking about what seemed to be something called pat'ava. We understood that as being thick bread, but ultimately speaking, it was translated, it was explained, it wasn't a reference to the bread itself per se, it had to do with the quantity of bread. It was pat uh, initially, when we understood it as thick bread, we understood it as an issue with regards to Pesach. In fact, the words in the Biraita said that their dispute was with regards to Pesach. And as a result, we understood it as, in the Gemara, a fear of hachmatah, of that bread, because it was so th- thick, um, may be rising and coming to the level of Hamet and Betilel appealing to the Mishkan as their rationale for permitting. But the Gemara understood that you can't compare those two. It was different in the Mishkan than it is in our homes on Pesach. And therefore again, the Gemara explained, this is not a machlokir about Pesach at all. It was a machlokir about Yom Tov. On Yom Tob, a large quantity of bread, according to Beit is prohibited, according to Beit is permitted to be baked. What's the underlying uh, question? What's the uh, looming issue? And that is Tirha. it's an overexertion of the person who's making the food, and maybe they'll be making food for whole, whether you explain it like Rashi or like Tosafot. Ultimately speaking, the fear is you're making too much, so much so, that it's unnecessary for yourself and your family to eat on the holiday. The Gemara has one last issue. It says if that's really the interpretation, if that's really what Beit Hilel and Beit were disputing, then why did it say in the Biraita Pesach? This is relevant to Shavuot and Sukkot as well. It's relevant even to Rosh Hashanah. It's relevant to Yom Tov. It has no question with regards to specifically Pesach. And yet the Biraita said, Pesach says the Gemara Mikhteh, Mikhteh, best translation is, let's translate. Let's, excuse me, let's let's deal with. What's that? Maybe the of the Pesach is actually even more. That's really good. it, careful. But if Okay, that's clever. It's, it's nice. Nathan suggests on Pesach you have more of an exertion, but ultimately speaking, the exertion was that you're making extra. I understood But he's saying. Because you have, in addition to making so much, you're also, he's saying, have to be very cognizant and mindful of what's taking place. That's an overexertion. But again, the issue, ultimately speaking, is that you're making too much for your family, not so much that the process is taking you. Mikhter, let's analyze this. Let's look into this matter. Who? The issue over here is specifically um, with regards to um, working too hard. Uh, overextending yourself, making food that's not necessary for the holiday. Why was it that the Beraitah specifically took place in the context of, it sounds like Pesach. It should be relevant to every other holiday which has an Answers the Gemara in in Aramaic means yes, means like this, and means as well, in other words, yes, That's true. What do you mean? So then why did the Beraitah say Pesach? V'tanah b'yom tov de Pesach ka'eh. And Tanah, the author of this Beraitah, as he taught it to the students, he was on the sugyah of Pesach. He was either on the holiday of Pesach or he was teaching them about the laws of Pesach. So it happened to have been that as he spoke, he spoke about Pesach. But it was relevant to every other holiday as well. Tanyana hamehacheh says the Gemara in its concluding line, in fact, we have a Beraitah which explicitly states so. Two things. Number one, that this Mahloket is relevant to all holidays. And number two, it's not about thick bread, which is an issue with regards to rising. It's about the quantity of bread. It's about what we call pat miruba, not what seemed misleading, the words pat ava, Tanyana bet, pat meruba biyom tov matirim. <inaudible> there it is. In this final line in the Gemara, this Beraitah, it's made clear, number one, we're talking about what's called Pat Merubah, which is the definition of Pat Ava. Rov, Harbe, means a lot. Ava, of course, means thick. Ava was misleading. Harbe, Merubah, was more to the point. That's the issue. And secondly, it's not only on Pesach, it's Beyom Tob. Okay, that finishes our last sugya. The next... So, uh, again, if you understand the sugya like in other words, between Rashi and Tosafot how to understand the sughia. According to Rashi, yes, the dispute is dependent upon Rabbi Shimon ben El-Azai's opinion on Daf Yodzain, whether it aids the, the baking of the bread that you're interested in. And Beit are stringent and Beit are lenient. According to Tosafot, that was never the issue in our sugya for one reason or another. Says this next Mishnah, you should know we've been talking about Rabban Gamniel's opinion. We mentioned in the last Mishnah that on three matters he was stringent like Beit Shamai. Should know he wasn't always stringent, but he was not always. But other times, an iconoclast, he stood apart from the majority opinion, uh, whereas the Hachamim, the majority opinion, would say something is asur Anyom yom tov. He was lenient in three other circumstances. So you thought he was all stringent from the last three. And now you'll understand he was sometimes lenient in the face of what was the normative or mainstream approach. Matnitin says the Mishnah Afhu, he as well, meaning Rabban gamliel, amar shiloshadvarim LeHakel, Three matters in which he was lenient. Number one, mechabedin beta Number two, manihine tamugmar biomtob. Number three, vi'osin gidim mikulas belele pesachim. On all three of these cases, osrim, the hachamim, the majority opinion, uh, disagreed and forbade. What are these three cases? Number one, mi'chabedin. Lechabed in Gemara terminology as a verb means to sweep. Mitot is a reference to the room which had the couches or beds. Uh, Not the bedroom, per se, but the room that had the couches or beds, in plural, that's the dining room. They used to lean, of course, we know this from Pesach, they used to lean as they would eat, and they would have couches or bed-like structures in their dining room. Uh, What's the issue with sweeping the floor in your dining room on Yom Tob? Well, it goes like this. Sweeping the floor once upon a time in a home which had a dirt um, floor uh, was problematic. It was problematic because of an issue known as mashve gumot. Lahashvot means to make smooth or means to make straight. Shaveh means something that's equal. Gumot means furrows, means holes in the ground. In a home, as a person would sweep and take what were the edges, ridges in the ground and smooth them over, it was a melachav binyan. It was almost as if you were constructing something. That's Asura, everybody agrees. The Gemara in Masechet Shabbat describes all the details with regards to that. You're not allowed to sweep if you have a home with a dirt floor. You're not allowed to be sweeping it on Shabbat because you're So then how come Rabban Gambiel over here on Yom Tob is permitting well, he's talking specific, that's true, but it's a uh, Pesik uh, it's certainly going to happen. In other words, Jesse argues, he says, but it's davar shenomit kavin, my intention is not to per se straighten the ground, my intention is to clean the room, but it's the pesi it's certainly going to take place, and we hold. Abayeva Rava teach us that even according to Rabbi Shimon, who permits Tavar Kavin, if it's Pesik if it's certain, if there's no way to get around it, it, so to speak, injects you with, uh, with the knowledge. Mashve gumot means your, means to equalize or to straighten. Gumot means those, those ridges in the ground. It's a melacha of binyan, of building. And it doesn't look like building to me and you, but there's holes in the ground. The fact that I'm smoothing them over is a melacha. Uh, so, why is. Apparently not. Apparently, I, this is a mitziut issue, which I'm going to leave to the sweepers. What? You don't have a dirt home, I don't think. Unless that's what's in now. Uh, you're allowed to, yes, you're allowed to. Um, so, uh, not dirt. Uh, so if, uh, We could talk about it. it's a different melachah, but you're not allowed to do it in your backyard if it's dirty on the ground. Then... The house, the house, you're allowed. Um, well, that being the case, um, uh, why is Rabban Gamliel permitting? Well, first to note, he's only permitting on Yom Tov, it appears, and he's only permitting in Betamitot, in the room that has the beds, meaning the dining room. Why is he only permitting in the dining room? What's the dining room uh, difference to any other room? It appears to be that the dining room, since you would always keep it clean already, you would sweep it beforehand as you entered into the holiday and uh, throughout the week. The ground was a lot more straight. You weren't anticipating, and there wouldn't be. Uh, common uh, to find many holes in the ground over there. The rest of the house, he swept less frequently. As a result, it was more prone to having those holes. And beta mitotra Rabban Gamliel seems to be telling us uh, we have less of a fear in such a circumstance because you will be necessarily upkeeping it better than the rest of the home. There's no such issue. That's number one. Number two, Manichim et HaMugma. Mugmar is, uh, to the best of my knowledge, a lost art in today's day and age. Not saying I've never seen this, but you rarely see this. This was incense which used to be placed on the <coughs> table. People wanted to have a pleasant smelling room as they would be eating their meal. They would put on the table uh, some coals with some pleasant incense, herbs and other sorts of matters of that sort, on top of it so that everyone would enjoy the smell in the room. The aroma was very pleasing. It's Asur, says the, says the Mishnah, according to the Chachamim to do so. According to Rabban Gamliel, it's permitted. What's the Isur and what's the hete? Well, the Isur seems to be that it's Melechet Mav'ir, Hav'ara, and Kibui, and extinguishing, both, uh, both lighting a flame and extinguishing it, how so? Well, when you put those items onto the coals, you're lighting them, and at the same time, or ultimately speaking, you're extinguishing the coals. That's melachot on Yom Tob. Why would Rabban Gamliel permit? Rabban Gamliel says, well, this is aiding me in my enjoyment of the day. My body is even pleased by this. It's ta'anug, it's simchat Yom Tob. This is permitted from the heter of the Torah, of melechet ochel nefesh. How would the hakamim respond? We'll see it in the Gemara, Rashi already opens our eyes, to this. they'll respond with the following concept. The only time, and we'll have to talk about, we'll have to qualify as we go along, the only time we say matters are permitted in this respect that it's to enhance the enjoyment of the day is if it's, here are the key words, that's true. If it's food, certainly, but even when we get out of food we saw in the Mishnanda Yodbet, Be Le tells us you're allowed to do others It's got to be davar, hasshave, lekhonefeh, again the word "shave it's got to be equal to all participants and people. What do you mean, what's not equal? Says Rashi, only <laughs> mifunakim, only people who are uh, pampered and uh, high class, and only people who are Rea Rashi adds, or alternatively they smell. In those two circumstances, that's when you find a necessity or a normalcy with regards to mugmar. Uh, the regular guy or the lower-class individual never thought about it and has no enjoyment and no, uh, no will to put out the mugmar on the table. That's the machloket. It seems to be a machloket between the ben Gamliel and the Haqamim about a messiut. Is mugmar going to be considered davar ha lechol nefesh or not? Now, Alan mentioned food. That's important to mention. The Gemaran Maaseche Kitubot and Davzain talks about food, it talks about a sevi talks about a situation where even a poor person sees a, a deer. Is the poor person allowed to slaughter the deer? I guess deer were more of a delicacy. It was more expensive food. Maybe it's not the bar shaveh nefesh. Maybe only the upper class eat deer and as a result it'd be asur for anyone to slaughter it. If it's not shaveh for everyone, maybe it would be prohibited to slaughter. The halacha, the Gemara says, is that it's permitted because even a poor person would, for the purpose of food, if they had it... Oh, they would eat it and they would prepare it it's only that they don't have it when it comes to mugmar, outside of the realm of food, that's where we say they have no interest in it. When it comes to food, we don't question such a thing. We don't say higher class foods and lower class foods. This is a very important point. I remember hearing Rabbi Herschel Schachter once saying this. He said that you could learn all of Masechet Betza, and you could walk out knowing the halachav davash asheveh l'chomefesh, and you could make all sorts of mistakes when it comes to Yom Tob with regards to humrot. You'll question every food. Would even a poor person eat this? But it's not the way it works when it comes to food. When it comes to food is, everything shabe lechol It's only outside the food. That's the mahluk Rabban Gamliel and Kachamim. And the last mahluk here in the Mishnah is, whether you're allowed to make a gedi mikulas. Rashi says the word mikulas has something to do with a soldier who's holding his, his, uh, his uh, arms. Uh, how does that have anything to do with a giddy? A giddy is an animal. Uh, so Rashi explains the animal is entirely placed on the skewer. Its, uh, its innards are on top of it, and its whole body is on the skewer. It's a shish kebab, but entirely with pork the body. Pork. What's that? Pork <laughs> with with <laughs> kosher animals. The spit, that's the right word. That's the right word. Yeah, I've never seen such a thing. Yeah, that's right. We have to talk about this afterwards. Anyway, I don't even know such a kind. Anyway, so um, what's the issue? Well, Rashi again opens our eyes to this. We'll talk about it in the Gemara. It looks a lot like the way they used to skew or whatever, roast the Korban Pesach. And as a result, making that Pesach time is problematic because people will believe that this is Kodesh, that this is actually a Korban Pesach, it'll lead to a lot of confusion. This idea of, you know, completely and fully mimicking the way the Korban Pesach was done, even though I just want to eat it, we just want to enjoy it. Don't do it the yeah, same way they used to do it. It has a lot to do with that. Yeah. No, this is a Pesach halacha. All right, says so the Gemara then. I'm... What's that? Say it again. Enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Says the Gemara Maravase Mahloket legam- legamer, avala Kol Mutar. Ravase deals not with the first case, the um habayit, the sweeping of the floors. He skips us to the second case, the mugmar. Remember the mugmar, that's the incense on the coals, and he says it wasn't talking about coals. You're misexplained it, Harari, says Rav When We were never talking about coals, we were talking about legamer. Rashi explains what's legamer. Legamer means you're taking clothing, a keli, and you're placing the clothing on top of the incense in order to make the clothing smell good. The parallel today today would be is spraying your clothing. We'll talk about this explicitly in the Gimara, where you take perfume and you spray your clothing. But over here, you're lighting something, you're doing a milachan yom tob, which will be a havara and a kibui in order to make clothing smell good. That's where there's a mahlok between Rabban Gamliel and to this way. This way it's not, you Very uh, Well, again, Rabban Gamliel no, is on, and hard and hard ha- ha- on a head, it's on clothes, so that's not going to be. That's 100% correct, give me one second on that. If it's just for pleasant smells at the table, the, everybody, even Hachamim, <laughs> agree that it's mutar. Uh, Jared says, now it appears the Machlok it has nothing to do with the HaShaveh Nefesh. They're no longer disputing and disagreeing one with the other about the reality. Do most people enjoy this? Do most people not enjoy it? That's not the question any longer. It's a question of Tzorech Yom Tov now. It's still somewhat of a mitziut, but it's a question of Tzorech Yom Tov. What, how far do we go and permit it, right? In other words, am I permitting to enhance my body, my enjoyment of this meal, or or Rabban Gamliel goes even further. He says, no, your clothing smelling good is okay. But it's not really a Yom Tob necessity. But that's okay as well. That's the machlok It then. Says the Gemara Metiveh. We have a question from a Beraitah which knocks out uh, sufficiently Ravase. This Beraitah will initially have nothing to do with Rabaseh. In the second part of it, Will understand its relevancy, but ultimately speaking, what we're going to walk away from the story in this beraita understanding is that the machlok, the dispute between Abangam Gamliel and Hachamim and our Mishnah, had everything to do with the coals out on the table, nothing to do with the clothing. That's it. And then, of course, we're going to turn back and say, okay, so then what are they actually disagreeing the about? Uh, Why did he uh, believe uh, it might, it might have? It might have something to do with, with, oh, how would you think it's different? Oh, that's not so hard to understand. Why would you think it's different? Because when I'm sitting at a table and the room smells good, uh, who wouldn't want that, number one? Number two, right? So in other words, number two, it's difficult to argue, as Jared's saying, that they're actually disagreeing about the reality and number three ultimately speaking my body is enjoying this so it's similar to to food right where food we're not distinguishing we're saying Rashi actually gives this example a tzvi you found the the deer in your backyard no I can't slaughter it why not because a poor person wouldn't slaughter what are you talking about it's here in front of you you're telling me that a pleasant smelling room is a problem if you're doing it for the clothing which is really not a preparation for the day that I can understand that's what Rav says really that's a personal his own personal things that he wanted to do he disputed all sleeping in, in his dining room the incense I mean. are you asking why he's jumping to uh oh Rabban Gamliel yes. I, Rabban Gamliel the Mishnah is reporting to us what apparently Rabban Gamliel's position on these matters in his home were indeed I mean that's just like in the last one these were his positions seem to have been Mahmira on these sorts he follows his lineage on these I, it would appear that way even though we don't you know it's not really made clear per se you know that this it seems to be says the Gemara we have a Beraita which is a response a knockout response on Rav so this Beraita, as I told you has nothing to do with what we were just addressing we were just addressing the Mugmar we were just addressing the incense okay but we start with the first part of the Mishnah in this Beraita, and the Beraita continues and it says bet Rabban Gamliel in the household of Rabban Gamliel, they indeed would sweep the dining room. Bili Sadok. Here's the interesting new part. Says Sadok. Says Sadok. Says you know something? I don't. I'm not certain. You said that properly. Well, I didn't say it properly. That's a tradition. I went more than once into the household of Rabban Gamliel Ahara Abba. So he's reporting something. Sounds like when he was younger, together with his father. They didn't actually sweep the dining room on Yom Tov. Not really. Oh, that's all you misreported it. Someone told you you it wrong along the way. I'll tell you exactly what they did. Are you sure this is what I saw? They would sweep the room only before Yom Tov. Now sweeping the floor during the week. And then before the holiday, they would place on the floor of the dining room sheets. Keep in mind, underneath the floor is dirt. And what's the purpose of the sheets? On the, the night of the Yom Tov, contrary to our community, apparently, Rabban Gamliel didn't invite as many people or any people into his home. It's not that he wasn't eating a Yom Tov meal, but the lavish meal, the meal where everybody was coming, where it needs to look beautiful, it needs to be perfect, was the next day. So at night, it sounds like, this is my reading, as the family's eating there, okay, we have sheets on the floor. Lemahar the next day, kishyeorchin nekhnasin, as the guests are approaching and coming, m'salikin tasadinim. they would pick up those sheets from the floor, and you had a beautiful, clean, dirt floor. And as a result, you had, so to speak, a virtual, non-active, passive sweeping of the floor which means to say they never swept it on Yom Tov. Okay, so that's interesting in and of itself. Amru <laughs> lo imken af ken. The response of Bili Ezeb al-Sadok is our colleague, our rabbi, Bili Ezeb al-Sadok, we understand what you saw, but it doesn't add up. Why does it, it add up? Because if that were the case, the Chachamim could never disagree. Everybody, even on on Shabbat, would agree you're allowed to put the sheet out and pick up the sheet. What would the issue be? And we have a tradition, Rabban Gamliel had a different opinion when it comes to sweeping the floor. We can't accept your approach. There's an interesting side question, which I'm not going to address right now. What would someone like? Could it be the Ezeb al-Sadok? What's he supposed to do now? Let's say Halakha is like Rabban Gamliel. Does he need to be stringent based on what he saw? versus what the halakha is, it's being reported to the masses. These are questions that are very fundamental. When you saw something and you're certain what you saw from your posek halakha, but it's written differently or it's reported differently, how are you supposed to act? The answer, generally speaking, is you go based on what you know. There's dangers with that. May have been circumstantial. It's circumstantial It may have been You didn't understand it right, These are all important questions Not for right now Here's the key part Of the Beraitah All right That we saw in our Mishnah as well And you're not allowed to place the incense on the table to burn and to be extinguished in order to enhance the smell in the room on Yom Tob. That's, a, that's like our Mishnah. Here's the key line which is going to knock out Rav Asa's interpretation. Remember our context in the Gemara. Rav Asa said, we were never talking about the coals. We were only talking about clothing on, on the good smelling items. Uh, the coals? Everybody agrees this permitted. Oh, really, what, what about this? Amar bar sadok. They wouldn't place on Yom Tov coals. They wouldn't have the coals with a pleasant smelling incense. Rather, this is what they used to do. Before Yom Tov, they used to bring ardaskaot Shel Barzel. Sort of hollow um, and perforated uh, utensils made out of barzeil, made out of a strong metal they would uh, place this hollow item, a pan, on top of the coals, which had pleasant smelling incense before Yom Tov, and then they would close up the perforated hole, the holes, in the item, which means to say, what do you have left in the item? You have, you have good smelling smoke and things of that sort. The next day, kisharhin nichnasim, as guests would come in, you would open up. Genius, beautiful. mit elav, and the house would just smell good passively. You didn't actively burn or extinguish in order to bring it. before Yom Tov. Before Yom Tov, you produce the whole, the good smell, the smoke before Yom Tov. Closed up the holes before Yom Tov. On Yom Tov, you open the holes, and the house smells delicious. Rabbi, I get a lot of smoke from an existing light. Why would it be a problem to. Instead of smoke, you're. Over here, by putting the incense on the coals, you are burning the incense, number one, and number two, extinguishing the coals. It's different. You're, You're engaging the cigarette, and then when it goes out, it goes out. First and foremost, if we want to be au oh, cigarettes, I'm, very, I'm the first one on board. <laughs> Secondly, no, it's not the same thing, because in a cigarette, what you didn't extinguish that initial flame. How'd you extinguish that initial flame? How does the cigarette eventually go out? On your cigarette, it goes yeah. out on its own, but the initial flame is continuing. Where'd you get it from? You got it from the yeah. flame. Yeah, but so let's say I use an existing flame, I light the incense incense so is smoking up and then it goes out that that again the, problem here is the, the coals the coals you're extinguishing the coals you're not extinguishing the incense extinguishing, extinguishing by the placing water. the incense on, on them the you the the so. that's right that, that's the wow. issue specifically here. Alright, anyway, says 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 it be the says you got the whole story wrong. This is what they used to do. They never had any uh, permissibility with regards to coals and actually putting uh, something on them. Uh, that would be a problem. Amrulo the response again to the B'liyayi about Sadok is either you were too young or you misremembered. We can't explain it to you, but nobody would disagree, even the Chachamim, that that's permitted. You would permit that even on Shabbat to collect the smoke before Shabbat, before Yom and open it up on Yom Tov. What we do have, however, from this Beraitah is an understanding that the actual dispute... Between Rabban Gamliel and the Hakamim was the coals in the house, in the dining room, as opposed to on the clothing. Which means to say that Rabbase's interpretation we've pushed aside. We're back to the initial assumption, as we explained it in the Mishnah, the Machlok between Rabban Gamliel and Chachamim is about these coals out on the table, you put the incense on top of them, you're extinguishing and you're burning. However, says Rabban Gamliel, permitted Chachamim disagree, it's not the HaShaveh Lechom this is not something that everyone will enjoy. The poor person, the lower class members, would never even imagine doing this. Rather, if there was ever a statement from Ravaseh, we had it misstated. It couldn't be that Rav Aseh said what we thought. He said that the Mahloket in the Mishnah was really just about the clothing. No, no, no. He must have said this: Amar Rav Aval Asur. He perhaps said quite the opposite. He said the Mahloket between Rabban Gamliel and Chachamim in our Mishnah is about the smell on the table. That's where there's a Mahloket to put the smell into clothing. Even Rabban Gamliel, ironically, would say Asur. Why would he say in such a circumstance? Because in such a situation you're doing nothing that's productive per se for the holiday. You're fixing clothing, not a necessity for the holiday. You might have better clothing on the holiday, but it's not necessary, it's an unnecessary action. And the assumption is we don't go that far in permitting for holiday. If it's gonna enhance your body, barbecues for food. We're not on food here. I don't know. We'll talk about the realities of barbecues, how do you light it, and all that sort of business we'll deal with. But what I'm telling you is over here, the issue is with regards to the coals on the table, which you're extinguishing and, and, and lighting in some way, if I, right? You're lighting and, 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 and having an extinguishing, um, as, opposed to, um, as opposed to the clothing, which is altogether different. And that's what the Gemara does. It says the Gemara, now that we've established that, we have a few more questions. Uh, they had a question in the Midrash What's the Hadachah? what's the halakha with regards to being to producing the smoke that's going to enhance my uh, mood and the odor and aroma in the room is that permitted? says the Gemara it's Mahlok between the emoraim Rav Yirmiya Baraba Amar Asur Ushmuel Amar Mutar we have this two opinions with regard. This is our Mishnah. This is our Mishnah. This is our Mishnah. Is it mutar or not? I, I understand. I understand. So, in such a circumstance, almost identical to our Mishnah, but just an additional detail. Rashi, five lines from the bottom. Mahu le'ashin, perot, be'ashan besamim, liklot, ta'am habosim. Now she says, "Ashun is not the simple case we were talking about earlier called mugmar. It's a bit more intricate. It's instead of just bringing a pleasant odor to the room, it's enhancing the smell of, let's say, dried fruits. I have dried fruits which are odorless. I want them to smell good. I'm going to light a flame underneath with incense. Again, I imagine a lost art. I don't know any dried fruits that smell good." Uh, that's, maybe that's why we don't do it um, are you allowed to be me'ashin that's the ma- that uh, is, is, the fruit to eat or is no eating? no the fruit are edible you're making the fruit now smell better so there's still <coughs> yeah you're so going, going to be smell you. The that's the question uh, mutar we understand mutar you're enhancing it asur why should it be asur rashi again five lines from that's the bottom De ta- exactly tafnuk yeterahu it's a tafnuk. A tafnuk means a. Uh, it's, it's a, for a person who's a mefunak. A mefunak means a person who's. What is that? <laughs> Bougie It's a person who is upper class Indeed, it's not Shaveh <laughs> nefesh By the way, where did the where did this concept of It needs to be Shaveh nefesh come from? Rashi and the Mishnah cited from the Gemara again In Ketubot and Davzayin Because the Pasuk says Ach, <laughs> asher ye'achel nefesh Pasuk in Zora says L'chol <laughs> nefesh The understanding is It's for everyone Not just for you So again, according to Rav this is asur, why is it asur? U ashan ikaav melakha, k mfarash lafunat a'med rav, avkata alehem. As a result of it not being shav el khonefesh, it's not equivalent, it's not something everyone enjoys. You fall back on the isur, the isur makhabed, the isur of havara, which we'll talk about in just a moment in the Gemara. Ushmuel says rashi amar mutar de khonefesh. How do you argue that it's Shavelikhon Nefesh? Even poor people would love for their fruits to smell delicious. However, it's not common. They don't have the easy accessibility to the smoking, uh, making the fruit smell better. Even a poor man would enjoy this. In other words, again, when it comes to food, and this is what I was saying to Alan earlier, when it comes to food, what Rashi, what this Gemara, what the Gemara in Ketubot make clear for us, we don't distinguish. When it comes to food, we say, listen, even though a poor person doesn't make it, it's not because they, they wouldn't. Like yeah, they would still like it. They just don't have the means for it. When it comes to other items, you say they have no appreciation for it. Uh, they come in and say, smoky yeah, ass, smells good. Why do I need this for? They're eating this, they're smoke, eating this as food. food. The fruit They're going no, to eat this food. Fruit. No, 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 they're going to eat this fruit. They're going to eat this fruit. So says, says the... Says the, the, the first opinion maintains, even though... It smells good," Rav uh, explained. Uh, "A poor person wouldn't be doing this. He wouldn't have the time, he wouldn't have the effort, the ability, the means to make his fruit smell good. Shemuel's response is oh, he doesn't have the means for it but he would love it that's the definition it's a definition it's not a mitziyut over here it's a yeah. definition of what's shavei l'chonefesh says the Gemara again <laughs> let's just conclude with this why would it be asur going back to rav really explaining everything we addressed it's kibui. it's extinguishing the coals are extinguished uh, the flame is extinguished through the action. Why are you only talking about extinguishing? What about the lighting? What about the fire which is being spread? He says, indeed, it starts off when the initial incense are placed on. It's kibui. it's extinguishing. Afterwards, as the smoke goes up, as it then lights into something else, whether it's the fruit or the garment or anything that it's spreading into, the incense itself, the truth is, that's melechet hava'ara. So the reason I spoke only about extinguishing is because that's the beginning. There are two melechot taking place. As the incense is placed on the coals, it extinguishes. As the coals then spread it up into the incense and anything else, that's melechet hava'ara. Unless you find the reason for this to be considered, melechet I'll tell you that you're violating. The, uh, it says, "Rav, mm-hmm. two melachot on Yom Tov by so doing mm-hmm. habara and kibui baruch Adonai Adam." Mm-hmm. Amen, mm-hmm. amen. Shabbat